Lost and Sound is sponsored by Audio-Technica. This year, it's the company's 60th anniversary. Audio-Technica are a global but still family-run company that make affordable products, headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones. They made the first ever mic I owned. They continue to make stuff that I use, and they make stuff that you most likely use too, because they believe that high-quality audio should be accessible to all. So head on over to audiotechnica.com to check out all of their range of stuff. Okay, it's uh, midday in Berlin. I hope you're having a really fantastic one. And you're listening to Lost and Sound. it going? I'm Paul Hamford. I'm a writer, an author, a presenter, and welcome to Lost and Sound, the podcast where we meet the innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the artists that do their own thing, and we talk about life and the things that inspire us to make the things that we make, because beautiful things don't come from a hierarchy of knowledge, but out of sharing. Past guests have included Peaches, Jim O'Rourke, Chili Gonzalez, Letitia Sadier, Ghost Poet, Roman Flugel, Ellen Alien, Jan Tiersen, and so, so many more. And today, you're going to hear a really lovely conversation I had a couple of weeks back with Catelyn Aurelia Smith. Head on over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford, where you can get extra regular mini episodes, access to field diaries, occasional video episodes access to a discord channel all sorts of stuff that's patreon.com forward slash paul hanford a little reminder my book coming to berlin is out now on velocity press okay that's the uh that's the housekeeping i hope you're having a really 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 lovely one wherever you are today it's beautiful late summer it's on that little cheeky bit of borrowed time summer in berlin i'm in friedrichstein um I still have problems saying Friedrichstein. It seems to sort of, I don't know, it, it, I've been in Berlin for four and a half years, but I've never, you know, my, my, my ability to pronounce things is still very, very English, um, which, you know, that's what I am. That's what I am. Uh, but I do wish I could get a little bit better at pronouncing Friedrichstein sometimes. If, if anyone's got any tips for how to say that, please let me know. Um, yes, so... You're going to hear a chat in a minute that I had with Caitlin Aurelia Smith, composer, synthesist, producer. She's an artist whose relationship with sound is deeply connected to the way she combines melodies with synthesizers, but also external processes that kind of go into her work like yoga, self-learning, science and nature. She's been putting out music for a decade, but it was really after her album's ears in 2016 and the kid in 2017 that um, her, her, her plat profile kind of 
blew up, so to speak. Um, since then, she's collaborated with the hugely influential and important electronic music pioneer, Suzanne Ciani. And her new album, Let's Turn It Into Sound, her ninth studio album, out on the rather lovely ghostly label. Are they ghostly or ghostly international? It seems to be, maybe they've changed it. I don't know. The, their Instagram just says ghostly now, but I know them as ghostly international. I, I don't know, um, but they're a lovely label anyway. Um, the new album has uh, been in my ears uh, for the last couple of weeks. And it's, she's sort of an artist who's perhaps been categorized somewhere within the fields of ambience um but i've always found that like moniker for her like sort of like all monikers they're just like sort of labels aren't they but with her it's sort of particularly kind of i don't know like the new album is is so dense it's so orchestrated there's so much detail going on there's got these manic little scattery beats that remind me of like the best warp records stuff you've ever heard then it's got like this kind of there's something very californian as well going on um with the music um in a kind of the way almost like brian wilson-esque element to it um check it out maybe you're already into it and maybe you feel that maybe you feel something else about it let me know um but it was really really lovely chatting with her the interview is a little bit short i had a few zoom problems that day um that's my doctor's note for that but i hope you really enjoy listening this is me paul hamford chatting with catlin aurelia smith how are you doing you're right yeah i'm well how are you yeah, good, thank you. Good, thank you. Yeah. Where, whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in the Pacific Northwest in Washington. And, and what's, what's the, the vibe like where, you are, where you're at at the moment? Um, let's see. Well, this morning it's a little bit overcast, but the last few weeks have been just like full sun and lots of swimming in the lakes. And yeah, I've just been in the Pacific Northwest for the last uh, three weeks. And I'll be here for another couple of weeks. It's been a bit like that in Berlin as well, actually. It's just been like a kind of a complete heat wave. Um, do, you, do you use someone that adapts to hot weather or is, is hot weather in your blood kind of to deal with? Um, it depends. I love I love the sun so much. But when it gets to a certain temperature, then um, then it really starts to affect me and I get really tired. <laughs> yeah. If I just eat, I'm like one of those people where I can't eat hot food when it's hot and I can't eat cold food when it's cold. Mm. <laughs> so if I just eat like tons of watermelon and cucumber when it's really hot out then and like frozen things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think, definitely think uh, um, my diet completely changes based on the season as well. Like, you know, it's, it's and, and I was kind of wondering about that with, with your music as well. Does, does like the kind of environments you're in affect how you make or even how you hear music? It does, but it does in a way that I wouldn't expect it to. It always surprises me. Like when I'm in a city, I tend to make more like mellow music, more, um, more like natural sounding music. And when I'm in the countryside, I tend to make more like abrasive music and more like just like uh, charismatic music. <laughs> it's what, a what, contrast. <laughs> yeah. So do you think it's like because it's, it's sort of like something's very calm around you in terms of the environment that that allows you to feel more comfortable to be abrasive in, in, in your arts? Like maybe in, in cities, we need the comforts of calmer music. 
Yeah, there's probably something to that for sure. Because I, I remember like um, I was always fascinated by Aphex Twin coming from Cornwall in England, which I don't know if you know that part of England, but it's it's completely rural and, and stuff. And yeah, you know, sort of making sort of such dense, intricate music in that kind of environment. Yeah, I know. I feel like I feel like you're onto something. I think like I've definitely thought about how um, it feels like when you're in the country, there's more, um, for lack of better language, like more psychic space mm. to be able to to like creatively expand without feeling other people so much even though it's not like I'm fully isolated when I'm in the country but there's just more space and and in the city I feel like I'm I'm like constantly feeling and hearing the like the sounds of the neighbors and like <laughs> weed wrappers and <laughs> all those things <laughs> also I just looked up a picture of Cornwall and I can't believe how beautiful it is it looks so stunning it is is absolutely lovely yeah it's, it's kind of definitely um it doesn't really feel like you're in England when you're when you're yeah. uh, did you grow up in quite a kind of rural environment or was it more of a city where you grew up um I grew up going between the city and the Pacific Northwest like mm the islands in the Pacific Northwest. So it was, it was always like the contrast of the two. And, and I very much feel that in my personality where I go into these like really extreme extroverted states and then really extreme introverted states. I think, do you think that that is kind of something that is, is sort of inherent in, in people that kind of make, make their own stuff as well, this kind of, combination of sort of flamboyance to actually sort of think like you know like there's a kind of a weirdness to actually you know when we make something to actually put it out in the world in, in a way it's, it's quite a flamboyant thing to do but the also the introvertedness needed to kind of uh, be able to take a step back and and spend time enough time on your own and to observe not just when you're making art but when you're kind of observing letting stuff happen around you do you think yeah yeah I definitely feel like the relationship with creativity is is so close to the relationship to self mm. and like and having enough space to like making time to be with yourself um is such an important part of it i mean because you said in an interview before that um uh music to you is a means of self-knowledge and and finding a balance between mind body and the world around you and and I guess we kind of naturally led on to that question really and uh, and, and I was wondering how, how you first discovered this well I guess it it's like it's been in different degrees there's been there's been like my music my musicianship mm -hmm. aspect of myself which is like you know learning music theory and like studying classical music and jazz and like wanting to be a good musician and that part didn't really feel like a window into self-knowledge if um actually that's not true it still did because I feel like similar to like an athlete it's like you know you learn your limitations when you're just trying to get good at anything mm. and and that feels like a a way of getting to know oneself but I feel like when I when I started to lean into like there were there were all these areas that um for lack of better language i got like kind of picked on musically mm. when i was in music school and i started to 
to want to just like lean into those where I was like, actually, like, I feel like there's something here. And when I started to like really go further in those areas, that was where I started to feel like I found my own voice and my own sound. And, and so I think like that began a journey of like, of like, oh, instead of running away from my vulner vulnerabilities or what other people are picking on, like, maybe I'll just go a little bit deeper in there. So you saying you actually sort of confronted the things that you, you people were picking you on, on you about. Yeah. Maybe confronting isn't like really the word, but, but I, I guess I decided to like stand up for myself in those areas and get to know those areas more. And do you think they were areas that you were initially a little bit afraid to tackle uh, aside from what anyone else thought? Um, well, no, they were areas that like were very much innate to who I am, but they were a little bit outside of, of like Western music. And so they were areas like, for instance, for, for a long time, I was always picked on for my sense of rhythm at music school. But then when I started to like, to like really look into it, I was like, actually, I think I just really feel polyrhythms as like my natural meter. Mm. And, and so I started to embrace that more of like, I think that that's just my natural rhythm sense is like lots of rhythms on top of each other, lots of mm. tempos on top of each other. <laughs> So I don't know if that made sense, but yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, as much as, you know, anything can make sense to anyone in terms that I, I had an interpretation that I kind of felt in terms of how things like that have impacted in my life, for example, uh, of kind of perhaps sort of um, certain ways of, of learning or the environments I'm in, not kind of gelling or being able to express certain ways within that, but then realizing it's because there's other ways of maybe going deeper into the things that I'd previously been told weren't um, good. Like, so for example, when I started making music myself, I, you know, I grew up in a small town and it was all kind of like, there was a lot of, you know, your kind of Foo Fighters tribute bands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and because I couldn't really play but I could kind of improvise, but in, in a weird way, it, it took me a long time to realize that that's kind of okay as well. So, I mean, I guess that's my interpretation of it, but I might be totally way off there. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like finding different levels of like permission for things mm. that, that you're into. And do you think, um, if you, you know, cause your music stuff feels like such a sort of ecosystem or at least the music that I've been listening to that you've been making since sort of 2015 onwards, kind of around about 2015 onwards, it does feel like it's such a kind of ecosystem of sound. Is it, is it something that like now has become like an organism where, you know, you can go to certain things to get this kind of self-knowledge and, and learn more about yourself from? Um, I think it, it, um, hmm. So that was quite a kind of a long-winded yeah. question. I apologize. Oh, no, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. Um, I'm just thinking about it cause I've never thought about it like that. I've never thought about it as like a reliable way to, to like always get more self-knowledge. It just kind of happens on its own. And I think it's, it like might be connected to the way that 
that inspiration happens for me. Like it always happens when I learn something new. And mm-hmm. so I always have like a, a rotation of, of like, of like, okay, what's the next thing that I want to learn? And then, and then that tends to be like a really big overhaul for mm-hmm. like myself as well. And then a big creative project comes out of it. It feels like self-knowledge is kind of like a side effect and mm-hmm. novelty is novelty and learning. Like the endless love of learning is like the, the main like fuel for it all. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time as that, do you feel that like, if you don't like apply some kind of new learning device, that there's a sort of chance of becoming stale? Yeah, I guess I've never thought about it in those words. It's it's more just been like like learning is one of my passions. Right, okay. Yeah. Rather than like like worrying about the uh like what would happen if I wasn't learning. So it's not, it's not like a kind of like a quest for food or something like that. Like, I have to find a new instrument otherwise, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not that. It's like mm. more that 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 state of learning is just like one of my passions in mm. life and you- and it doesn't have to be about music it can be like learning anything like like there was a while where i was just mm. like reading books about learning how to build because like i just wanted to learn more and more about the the like building philosophy because i find like every time that i learn something new i learn about like a new philosophy because mm. every every action has like a whole architecture of like how to think about it. And I love having those like new ways of thinking about things. And do you find it all feeds into, or quite often you could be learning something say about building and then it kind of feeds in, in some kind of really unusual way back into music or another art that you're already practicing. Yeah, definitely. They always they always tend to like cross over. I mean, do you, do you feel like say if you weren't actually if if your music education hadn't have begun in the first place that that you would have ended up sort of maybe doing something else but treating it in a very similar way to how you do your music? Do you think there's something like in in the soul of what we do that that kind of just expresses and the tools of what we kind of like learn how to express it with or or is it or is it kind of more come do you feel like it's more come from the journey that you've been on again i think that's a very sort of i'm being is it is friday night here and i'm being a little bit abstract in my questions i'm really really sorry you know, okay. feel free to you know i like that i like that question i feel like i feel like um if i wasn't a musician i would probably be an athlete and like i think that the the like athlete mentality tends to be like at the root of everything that I do of like, I always want to be in a montage. I always want to be like, like, uh, changing my training and like, um, like I, it always feels very like scientific how I'm going about it of like lots of experiments of like, Oh, what happens if this is like this? And then like Mm. logging and reflecting on my experience. Amazing. You said you, you have, you've always sort of something about being in a montage. You said mentioned about being in, what do you mean by that? Oh, just like, I love, um, I love progression. Like I Mm. love seeing changes and, and I love seeing like, like when something began, it was at this state and then every day with practice, Mm. it like began or it turned into this. 
that's just something I, I think is really fascinating. And, and I love like the act of practicing Mm. um, and like, the development, I guess I'm saying the same thing <laughs> with different words now. <laughs> no, that's fine. I think sometimes it's like, but that's in a, in a way that's kind of quite, you know, I, I kind of connect that with like repetition in a kind of good musical way anyway. Sometimes we sort of just explore the same things in different words, like like slight different emphasis on notes as well. You get like slightly different accentuations of the meaning of what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And it's, there's like definitely a joy in like, how far can this go? Like, mm. like the, like what is possible with, um, with like attention and, and like intention on something. Mm. Cause you, you mentioned just, well, I don't know. I've, I've, I've actually got like a question here about the daily, daily practice and practice as well, just as you say that, and you've kind of answered it really, but do you find that sort of, because uh, I've started trying to do practices in in terms of just doing very small little exercises that I'm not trying to be brilliant at each day. You know, I'm just trying to sort of sort of carve them into like being a kind of a routine in myself. To so is a sort of way to counteract putting things off. Really, I guess. Um, but you, you strike me as someone that's always had like this amazing discipline as well, like yoga and meditation, kind of feature very heavily in connection with your music. And I was wondering if I could ask you about how yoga and meditation and how you see that as, as being involved with your music, if, if it is, that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's more moved into like, I mean, I think like everything that I'm interested in kind of has like, um, like there's something in common there's like, and I haven't gotten to the point in my life yet where I've found the language for what it is. Mm. And um, like with yoga and meditation, it's less about, about the disciplines themselves that I'm, that I really like. It's more the martial arts mindset of like all of the things is like what I really like the most. Mm. And, um, and I, and I tend to like move through things like, like yoga moved into hand balancing. Now I'm just really into handstands. <laughs> <laughs> Meditation moved into like focus practices. Like now I'm just like really into memorization and muscle memory. That's like, mm. so it's like they all move into different forms and, and not to say that like they ever like abandon the previous ones, like, like there's something in all of them. And, and it's like definitely that like, martial arts mindset where it's like this um this really beautiful um like overlapping thing which is kind of connected to what you were first saying in the question where it's like you are simultaneously trying to get good at something and and like also release like any expectations of getting good at it and like you get into this flow state i guess it's flow mm. is like really the thing that i'm um, always looking for and and I think like practice of any sort it like tends to always put me in a flow state so I think I'm just it's like it's not so much that I'm like a really disciplined person I just like love the flow state <laughs> <laughs> so I yeah. tend to practice all the time <laughs> excellent yeah. and, and, and and how does that feed into your music would you say um I mean, I feel like all the music that I've ever shared and, and 
put out in the world has been made in a flow state. Mm -hmm. And I usually don't share anything that that wasn't made in a flow state, but there are definitely times where I am making music and it's not in a flow state. And then I just kind of like let go of those or put them off to the side. Mm -hmm. So that kind of the ideas that they, when you say the flow state is like, when they don't go into flow state, they're, they're sort of ideas that just don't, you don't have a feeling of at the time that, that you were working on them. Do you mean? It's like, it's one of those ineffable things where I feel like it's, it's like that quote unquote, like magic where you just like, know in the mm. moment, like, Oh, this is something that has, um, that has like, or it's maybe it's that it's like, I have the feeling within myself to like put into the music here. Mm. So, so I'll continue with this. And maybe when I'm like putting other ones off to the side, it's like, I don't have the feeling to, to like put energy into that idea. I don't mm. know. I haven't figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to? Do we need to figure well, it out? Probably not. I mean, I feel like mystery is always really exciting. <laughs> totally, totally. And I think sometimes when we we figure stuff out, we we you know, I don't know that there's, there's certain examples anyway of figuring stuff out and then kind of feels like you're done with it then. What do you mean? Uh, like, uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it's on everything for everyone, but it's definitely been certain times in my life where, like, it's always been about the mystery. And then as soon as I feel like I've figured oh, out, gotcha. you know, it's like I, I, I've kind of naturally moved on, like sort of like the, the, the fun of it's gone. Like, I mean, the worst case scenario could be like some in like a failed relationship with someone, you know, I, I don't know where... Um, where maybe you kind of the mystery is be more exciting than than the sort of reality at certain points in my life when I haven't been prepared to kind of absorb on more more depth <laughs> let's say yeah. with, with people you know which hopefully I'm better at now but um definitely I definitely feel that like there's something about the mystery yeah yeah I know and and as I get older I'm like trying to to get more into the mindset of like there's like infinite things to understand in one thing mm. and and that like there's like infinite layers to the mystery mm. and I know that sounded probably really abstract but just <laughs> just meaning that like um that because I definitely relate to that sentiment that you're saying of like once you figure it out then you're ready to move on mm. and and um and I feel like some of the like the people that I am really inspired by are people that have like gone past that and gone mm. into like the further and further layers of mm. that with a craft. And like, there's a, um, there's, I'm trying to think of a, an example of it. I mean, I guess like martial arts is like a really good right. example, like mm. the belt system. It's like, there's different tiers in the, the mystery of it. And then you like, achieve a certain level and go on to the next level mm. I see what you mean yeah and I, I guess like I mean because I do a little bit of meditation as well just on a very basic level and and I guess the idea of of at least the way that I've uh been teaching it with an app <laughs> is that um about getting used to the idea of repetition and and to a certain degree boredom as well you know so the idea of like you know just like you like you say or my interpretation of what you say of kind of being able to kind of 
keep sticking with something rather than 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 kind of throwing it away but kind of uh finding new layers and new depths in in of something like maybe there are just like ultimate infinite layers to something that you know you, you could also discard once you've got used to yeah yeah totally i know i think about like those scientists that have studied like like say a scientist that studied worms and like mm. how many worms they discovered from just like being like i love worms into <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> definitely rather than like i've just i've just i've discovered just discovered a new worm right now spiders that's my thing this week yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like um, for you as well like i mean um how the, the, the synthesizer, the, like the electronics, play such an important part of your your music. And I was wondering how that, that like how um, the synthesizer, the the booklet. I mean, I'm sorry about my pronunciation. Um, oh, you I, said it right. Oh, brilliant! Amazing. This is very rare that I say things right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the booklet. How did that, how did that come into your life? Um, or you know, how did uh, the whole idea of synthesizers and analog come into your life? Yeah. It felt like it it really found me mm. because because I was studying sound engineering and orchestration and um, composition at at um, in college. And I wanted to do film composition and I wanted to like work with orchestras. Mm. And then I got out of college and didn't have access to an orchestra mm. <laughs> and or a studio. And I was like, OK, now what? <laughs> And, um, and so I actually decided to give up on music because I, I played classical guitar and that was like, I was kind of making like cinematic folk, I guess I was calling it at the mm. time. And, and I was really into like production, but it was like um, the model of production where, where you're bringing in lots of instruments and, mm. and I had access to that at college. But, um, but when I got out, got out, I felt very limited by just like having a guitar and I couldn't really afford lots of, um, lots of gear. Mm. And, and so I decided to, to just give up. But then after, um, after like a week or let's see, yeah, maybe it, it might've even been just like a few days after I said, mm. I give up on music. Then, um, a neighbor was, um, inviting me let's see what happened a neighbor invited me over to um set up his his like sound system and we were talking about music inspiration and i mentioned mm -hmm. terry riley and and he was like oh have you ever heard of a bukla synthesizer and i was like no i don't really know anything about synthesizers and and he happened to be um just very deep in the modular world and he mm -hmm. lent me Bukla synthesizer for about a year and that totally changed my world wow and uh, did it take um because when i when i used to make music i had like more kind of straightforward synthesizers not the kind of so, so much the modular kind um and i always, always this you know this is going back to the sort of late 90s early 2000s and the whole idea of like kind of more modular synthesis i found was so fascinating but also it felt so such a kind of totally alien world about how do you actually generate sound out was there was there quite a strong learning i know you had such a musical education before but was there such a was there quite a learning curve for you once you got hold of the booklet i actually i there 
there wasn't, but it was also in such a, a low pressure environment for me mm. because I was living in the country, like on an island. I was in a cabin. I didn't have internet. I didn't have a cell phone. Mm. So I didn't really look up anything. And and I didn't have like the pressure of like, oh, I want to be a musician. Like, mm. cause I had just given up that idea and was um and was at like I think I was in my early 20s. So it was like at a time in my life where, where like it was okay to have all that space because I had mm. a job. So <laughs> it was okay. Mm. And, um, and I feel like not having that much pressure around me just like really let me have this, this very like patient relationship with the synthesizer where I, didn't look up how to patch anything or how to do anything. It was just like, like, let's see what this is and explore it. And, and the only thing I knew how to do with the, with the Buchla synthesizer was make the music that was coming out for me Mm -hmm. with it. And, and so I had no idea of like other things that people have made with it or anything in my mind. And then later on, I like started, um, I remember when I got internet, it was like it was like probably like six months into having the Buchla. Mm. I like finally got internet and I remember being like, okay, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then like my whole world opened up and in, into like learning about just like all the Epic pioneers and, and all of the analog modular synthesizers. And then I was like on this hunt of like, of like, okay, where are all of these unicorns? <laughs> and then I started to just like travel around and like, go to different residencies and different colleges that had them. And then like Eurorack came into the world and got like really, really popular. And then, and then it was like accessible everywhere. And I like left the Island and I was like, Oh my gosh, there's synthesizers everywhere. It's amazing. So you've got this amazing kind of head start, you know, but in the most sort of organic kind of natural way before, before kind of like all of the kind of culture around like uh, the synthesis kind of, you know, before you were able to Google it really. Yeah. I mean, I think other people could Google it, but Mm. I, but because I was in this like Island life, um, like out in the country, I was like a little bit behind in Googling stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> like one of the things I really uh, love about the, mu- the music and what the way you've done it, I mean, particularly like I've been listening a lot to the, to the Mosaic of Transformation since it's come out, but I've kind of gone back, like since I knew I was going to be interviewing, I've gone back and listened to it. And that album, for me, I discovered it during lockdown. And um, it was what I really loved about it personally well, one of the well, the way I I kind of felt it personally was uh, there was a lot of music that was kind of more ambient that I was listening to around lockdown. Maybe it's a kind of a way of like we we're talking about earlier on about like cities and countryside and and finding kind of calm within music. But what I loved about what your uh, with this album is it had this elements of sort of like washiness, but there it was it was also so sort of composed and um there were so many elements and like changes and like with your new single as well there's so much kind of there's so there's so much kind of yeah it's not like floaty drifty music it's although it has that as well you know I'm again I'm just being a bit kind of like it the music's great (laughs) but um but it's it's like 
Yeah, I, I didn't really know what my question was there, really, to be honest. It, it was more just about, I guess, the mosaic of transformation is like, how did that come come out? Because, you know, you've got these, you know, these analog synthesizers, but there's so much composition as well there in terms of how I hear it, you know, and so much chopping and changing, you know, it, it feels very, very intuitive, but at the same time, there must have been so much of a sort of plan. Yeah, so you mean, so, okay, wait, I just have to understand... No, that's question. all right. I am really waffling <laughs> on a Friday. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Well, you said really kind things, so thank you. Um, and and are you asking about like the difference between Mosaic and Let's Turn It Into Sound, like the two albums, um, the new one and the one from the pandemic? Um, I guess so. Um, I, although I haven't heard all of the new one because I haven't found a copy of it yet. I've only heard the lead tracks. Um, oh, but, but oh, funny! I'll I'll have my um, I can have my PR person send it to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, but from that's really good. Thank you, awesome. But from from the lead tracks of that, yeah, I did I did notice yeah. that there was there's much more of a sort of like detail, I guess, like lots of sort of things happening very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, it's interesting. Mosaic, I feel like was um was going more orchestral Mm -hmm. and um like the last song is like a full orchestra Mm -hmm. and um and then this one um and it's funny because I was living in LA when I wrote Mosaic of Transformation and then I moved back to the country for Let's Turn It Into Sound and Let's Turn It Into Sound is like a lot more like the um like charismatic like like uh lots of sounds yeah. <laughs> and I think like again it was like something where I wanted to this is like full circle to the beginning of our conversation like I feel like let's turn it into sound was like going deeper into one of those places I was picked on in music which My. is like, um with music form of like, I remember in college, we were always taught like, this is how you write a pop song. This is how you write a blues song. This is how you write like all the different songs. And I remember just being like, like even in the classical form too, it's like, I always wanted to like flip it on its head and be like, no, it's like this. change. <laughs> I don't know. I just always wanted to have, um, I was really like into the, um, more like theatrical form mm. of where you feel like you're on like like a roller coaster like on a ride where you're going into all these different worlds and um and I always loved the like through composition form and so so I I feel like this album I like wanted to lean more into like w- how I experience music form inside of myself Mm. was there anything sort of before you started the album like we're talking about early on that you you kind of set yourself an agenda on to kind of figure out for this album maybe a piece of equipment or or a sort of device or a way of thinking that that was kind of like a sort of new impetus to sort of take on oh yeah like the learning thing Mm. um well I was still deep in learning about building for this album Ah. and and um and I read this book um, and I never, I like, I mean, I've built a few things, but I'm not like an avid builder, um, but I liked 
I like learning about it. And I read this book called The Timeless Way of Building, um, which I really recommend to all creatives to read because I feel like it just, it's like someone's, um, someone's like poetry about, about what they think building is. Mm. And so beautiful the way it's written. It's also like really dense, but <laughs> it's like simultaneously beautiful, poetic, dense, and dry. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's like the thought that's put into a creation and like, um, and how the architecture of a building, it's like, whatever you're like, you have to put intention into like what you want to happen in the building. Mm. Um, otherwise the building doesn't have a soul. And so it's like, this book is talking all about how, like when you are creating a structure, like you have to think about what you want to happen in that structure and like, Mm. and like how to create the, um, architecture to, to want to like, um, invite that energy into the, the building. And And that was really inspiring for me in general with creation where it's like, oh yeah, like every creation is like an architecture and, and every creation has like this, the like quote unquote soul of its, of itself. And, um, and so I got really excited about learning, or I guess like my feat with this album was like, how can I take all of these really, really electronic digital, non-digital sounds, analog, like all of them and, and put a soul into them. And that was like where I wanted to play with this character. Um, mm. this, like, I kept on calling it my like sentimental robot drama for a while. Because, <laughs> like, like I really wanted this character, the main voice of the album to sound mm. very robotic, but I wanted it to sound like it had so much feeling. It was re- it's a real pleasure to kind of like hear how you're talking about music that I've, I've been loving for the last couple of years. Oh, thank you. It's very lovely to meet you. That was Catelyn Aurelia Smith talking with me, Paul Hanford, for Lost in Sound. And we had that conversation a couple of weeks back. Her new album, her ninth studio album, Let's Turn It Into Sound, is out now on the Ghostly label. Thanks to ESO for the music, as always. And the show is written and produced and all of that by me. Um, If you enjoyed listening, you can subscribe to my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford, where you get regular extra mini episodes, access to field diaries, occasional video episodes, exclusives from time to time. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Paul Hanford if you're interested to find out more about that. And a little reminder, my book, Coming to Berlin, is out now on Velocity Press. This episode as well is sponsored by Audio Technica. It's their 60th anniversary. Their headphones, turntables, cartridges, microphones continue to make studio quality technology affordable to me, to you most likely as well head on over to audiotechnica.com wherever you are in the world thank you so much Catelyn for chatting with me for for giving me your time there and sharing these thoughts and, and being so lovely and open thank you to you the listener you wonderful person you I hope you have a mega 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 amazing day and I'll speak to you soon